Hey guys, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 626, being reported on Wednesday, April 28, 2021. I'm Sebastian Beek. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Sprunberg. And I'm Kent Burgess. Never miss an episode of the PC Per Podcast. You, just, you don't want to do it. There's, there's a hidden gem in every episode somewhere. And you can subscribe at pcper.com slash subscribe to find out when we're going to go live roughly 20 minutes after we say we're going to. And you can support the site at Patreon. Become a patron of PC Per, PC Per patron of the PC Per Arts, PC, uh, patreon.com slash PC Per. And Easy for you, you know, to say. we have more, it, uh, we have more on it that. Keeps th- it Apparently keeps the, the mice running around inside the electrical wheels that keeps the server running and, and, you know, all that interesting stuff that keeps this thing flowing along. But we do have three, three Ooh. new members this week. And, and um, first member is uh, Chasing Shadowa, a new patron member. So thank you very much, Mr. Chasing. Or should I say Mr. Shadoa? You know, well, how do we know that it's Mr. Mr.? Exactly. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a they. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a she. I don't know. But thank you, uh, uh, Chasing Shadoa. And then a John Kim, which sounds like a Mr. I mean, John. I would, I would say And so, then yeah. uh, I think um, we may have brought this one up last week, but you I just wanted to make sure to put, a, yeah. to put a double slather on this one to say, hey, thanks, KR Ducky. Really appreciate the support. So, and if you want your name embarrassed out loud here just uh go in and change it if you're an existing patron member or go in and make a change to your patron membership and uh change your name and uh i usually uh, uh do some embarrassing uh, stop the show right now moment and uh read whatever it is you type it's, it's not as embarrassing as it is exciting you know it's it's a moment it's your name in lights this is the point in the show where we go to Laramie, Wyoming, and hope oh. that Josh has had something interesting to eat today and documented it with photos, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, let me get up the gallery so I can read off what it is. Uh, this one was uh, interesting. You know, I, I keep saying, dang it, I'm, I'm just going to have a regular cheeseburger. I, I'm going to just see what one is like because all their burgers are just kind of, you know, crazy and out of this world. And then I heard what it was. It was the black and blue burger. Two Cajun seasoned patties blackened, if you can believe it, topped with Cajun mayo. That in turn is topped with smoked blue cheese. Who, who smokes their blue cheese? These guys obviously do. And finally, at the very top, is a layer of bacon. And uh, two sesame seed buns. Whoa. Yeah, and uh, the fries were a little soggy, but still very tasty. Got to let Sebastian know about the veg portion. What veggie portion? The, I guess the, the, the fries. fries. Yeah, the soggy fries. The fries probably. <laughs> the bun, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Moving into our top stories tonight. Intel Optane, everybody's talking about it, and it's not <laughs> dead yet. Believe it or not, I I can't. Is this a consumer or a enterprise focused launch? Think they've realized that they're 
only going to sell Optane to Enterprises. Oh. It, it's, it, I'm sure that this came as a crushing blow to Al and his dreams of, you know, filling every home with Optane. But uh, yeah, so these are, and it's not just Optane ported to, oh, here it's it's a consumer model, but we made it look a little fancier, so it's Enterprise. No, they've come up with a different type of form factor called EDSFF, and this is an E1S. There's actually a couple of different ones, but the E1S remains the same sort of size as your usual uh, M.2 or U.2, depending on the uh, capacity that you pick up. But you can hot swap it happily. This is a good thing in a server because you don't really want to explain that you had to take the server down to replace that fancy uh, drives that they convinced the budget committee to approve. So in this case, you got much better cooling and, you know, it just the ability to hot swap really sort of helps. And with a proper chassis, you can just be sitting in there like the Vulcan City because... Well, I mean, it's Intel, so you've got to expect some sort of a name involving a canyon or a lake or a city or a point. <laughs> so you got two different types. Uh, the, the Optane P5801X. This is the small, speedy one. The uh, Rocket Richard of them. So you only get 400 gig or 800 gig, but this is a full-out 3D X-Point, and they're suggesting it'll be the fastest SSD on the planet. It samples towards Q3 of this year, so we won't know for sure until then. The, the second type are the D7 P5520s, and these are the big suckers. Uh, they've moved up to the U.2 and sit between 1.9 to 7.7 terabytes. Huge amounts of expensive storage, but it is going to beat out your PCIe 4.0 and VME drive, and you'll be able to hot swap it, although you know, hope you won't be able to, having to do that very often. So, yeah, we've got some names, we've got a form factor, and that's it until later this year. Of course, How pricing. If you have to ask. I know, I know. <laughs> it was, it's all different in that world anyway. You're quoting quantities. and oh, No, Optane is its own special kind of different. Oh, boy. Okay. So it's not like trade prices on CPUs is what you're telling me. No. Okay. You negotiate... And integrate. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, because in theory, they're also, if one of them goes belly up, they're, you're on a contract to have one shipped immediately out. I don't want to know what the insurance on that FedEx pack is going to be like. That much money. <laughs> Will Alan Malventano uh, actually show up with each of these to install them? Uh, on the premium price plan, yes. Oh, However, nice. oh, he comes in the a box. certain amount of consumption. It's more like an Alvantano. It's like a crate. It's like a crate. You open yeah. him up, and he like comes out like a. It's a very. It's like not a even a very big like a, crate. You get it. No, you're it's like, like oh, a submarine like computer. No, no, it's Alan. Yeah. He's just sitting. Yeah, there. It's it's the, he is yeah. sort of a U dot. He stands up. Hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's the average size of a nuke. Of, of a nuke tech submariner, if you can know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. The only problem is that he will not leave until he involuntarily upgrades your car in some way. Ah, which is fine with me. Or. Or tells you in great detail what you're doing wrong. Yes. He's very friendly about it, though. Sure. He's always willing to help. Videocards.com, in a post marked, tagged as a rumor, GeForce RTX 3080 Ti, May 18th, question mark? NVIDIA is now expected to unveil 
It's RTX 3080 Ti graphics card on May 18th, according to a forum post. Hmm. That NVIDIA made. Was it what NVIDIA made? Right. I mean, What's I could straight post? up ask you. Can you read this? It's from yeah, of course I can't. X-Preview. I mean, it's not like a like an MSI shipping container. Oh, there's a TI. This is more difficult to small. read than a, you know an, an MSI pallet. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's see what these supposed specs would be. These are all estimates. We've talked about this before. They're they're not this GA102. Oh, video cards! You're so great. Two twenty-five. Yeah, to be leaked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. picture forthcoming. You think it'll be the all same right. cooler design? Is this just as a thirty-ninety again? I mean, the joke's on everybody here because this is this is just going to be something that people can't buy anyway. I know. Uh, supposedly, oh, what is it? Shipping this to the U.S. Is, yeah, scroll down that Spotted. page, Sebastian. This this is the only thing I've seen that gives any substantiation to these rumors. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, this is what I was talking about just a minute ago. Yeah, the uh, I just didn't see these photos on that uh, on the. Uh, video cards uh, website. So these these are shipping containers from MSI that are labeled with the 3080 Ti. And that's really the first time I've given really any credence to these rumors um, simply because it just it doesn't seem logical to me for NVIDIA to be releasing a, another card at that price range at this time when not just NVIDIA, but no one can fulfill their silicon orders right now. Yeah, like we need another skew. That's what you're saying. What's the yeah. point? Well, I mean, they, they had they had they had the plan and they had the roadmap out, and they're sticking to the roadmap. It just is our dumb luck that the band is absolutely sky high. And when I say sky high, I mean I really means. Demand is unprecedented. These people are making so much money. It's not even funny. Everybody up and down the line. Yes, there are component shortages. It is challenging to get products out, but they're selling everything that they make, and it's making everybody mad. Except you know, for the lumber guys. The miners the and lumber the scalpers, guys are just they're doing well. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, it's, uh, you know. Uh, New Egg is, is, you know, I'm kind of going to bitch about them a little bit. I mean, they're, we kind of expected them to at least stay to MSRP. There would be no sales, but at least stay to MSRP. And now it's like 150 bucks extra over MSRP. Plus, they're going to give you some kind of crappy combo on their shuffle. Yeah. And, but they're, they're still, they're still selling stuff because people, want their cards especially like the 3060 3060 ti um 3080s are still popular even though you know you're not going to get one for under 1200 bucks and that was the msrp of the 3090 right right around there 1200 to 1300 yeah. bucks yeah i think so so it's it's screwy and uh you know i've talked to you know people from other companies that are you know partners and they're like we we ship out as fast as we get them in and demand is is really it truly is unprecedented for this generation card uh, both from amd and nvidia and so yeah i mean it, it stinks that nvidia is throwing another skew but at the same time it's kind of good that they're throwing another skew because you know they, they've got chips built up that you know are failed 3090s and so they've got a 3080 ti and they can make a little bit more money on that and they 
throw it out there. So consumers have a different choice um, what to spend their money on if they can. But, uh, you know, they'll, they'll just keep ramping up uh, slowly. And I would, I would imagine maybe by fall things will have normalized. But, you know, it's, it's really going to be a year of no stock. And, uh, you know, when we, you know, kind of see what uh, NVIDIA's um, quarterly earnings are, then we'll get a better idea. Because AMD, and we'll talk about that later, they sold a lot of graphics cards. Well, a lot of graphics chips to their partners. And actually, right. yeah, they, they did sell a lot of cards. Yeah, normally they, they taper off. Well, we'll get into that later. I'll, I'll save it. Yeah. Yeah. No financial talk yet. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I am pessimistic. That's my personality. But I don't see this being better by fall. There's, nothing's going to be normalized by fall in my view. No, this I, is going to be you're right. 2022 maybe. I think you're well, I'm thinking late is... fall. I don't okay. know. I I'd think it's be pessimism is more there's accurate. There's not going to be any availability of anything. And it's not going to be anywhere mm, okay. near MSRP if, we, if there is. Because there's so much catch-up to do everywhere <clears> that... And plus, these cards are getting trashed right now. And they're going to need to be replaced. It's not like you can just run a card 24-7 and have it live out its useful life. So, Well, that's, that's where eBay comes in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. And so there oh, are going to be some people who get some deals on cards and, and, you know, and they don't like boost up anywhere near to where they should. And it's going to suck. It's just a repasting away, Josh. They're going to be fine. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you saw we saw the Gamers Nexus video. All you have to do is buy new thermal pads for the VRAM and the VRMs, repaste the CPU and just your, boost, your boosts are back. So your apparently it doesn't actually again. destroy nice. the silicon. It just destroys... The interface material between the cooler and the ECB. Just because it's pretty much the only thing you can do outside of, you know, board level replacements. Yeah. Make make that meaningful. Speaking of board level replacements, the 3080 Ti, if this is real, look at the specs. It's just a little bit below a 3090, so you're thinking reject 3090 GPU. It's got half as much memory. So on top of the fact that they're selling you half as much RAM, it's 12 instead of 24, GDDR6X, it's probably also a slightly defective 3090 GPU. Yeah, detuned. So sure. It's, and the, the, their off. retail pricing on it, on it, theoretically, I mean, according to the report, is only going to be a couple $300 less than a 3090. So the margins are going to be even higher on that product. And they're still going to be selling for as much as a 3090. 3080 Ti's. What should we do with all these RMA 3090s? <sighs> well, I got well, an idea. I mean... They're not dumb, right? Hey, let's make more money. Oh, okay. It's, it would be great if we started seeing... And I, NVIDIA's always had just a ridiculous number of... But because of all the partners, there's so many different cards that come out. And then they have a skew for almost every price point of which there's at least four cards from every vendor. So there's 1660, 1660 Ti, 1660 Super, 85,000 versions of that. And then you have the 2060, 2060 Super, et cetera, et cetera. So for them to have a 3080 Ti, 3080, maybe a 3070 Ti, 3070 mm, Super. Yep. One of the Super cards. More than likely. And you could have just different mm. iterations of the same GPU, different clock speeds, slightly different memory configurations. Oh, I've never done that before. 
Well, sure. A skew for every price point. And honestly, I don't blame them. I mean, if supply was good, we would welcome it. Right. And I don't know if any of that would help supply because they, they can just decide no. when the GPU comes out. Like, Probably what are we going to sell this as? What is this so be it's called? not like it's a dumb plan. It's just it's it's not like that the consumers don't want that kind of thing. I mean, everybody does. It's just that supply is lagging, you know, and, and I think Poor I think you're more likely right. It's bad timing. Yeah, timing. That, that it's going to be a while. It's going to be 22, 2022. Yeah. That's my it's, guess. It's not ideal when the total number of SKUs you currently offer with this generation out number the total number of available retail gps so <laughs> that it won't help if they just add more SKUs. i guess speaking of making the most of silicon let's shift over away from nvidia to amd here and unfortunately this is not available in the u.s as far as i know but this is a very interesting item amd ah, oh so you're gonna go here 700s yeah now it's if you look at these pictures it's this interesting looking green board and apparently, it's uh, an Xbox APU with well, GPU they're implying, disabled. Well, it, I mean, come on. Let's just, let's just make some assumptions here. Let's just say it is. Okay, let's go leave on the record and say I'm assuming that it is. All right then. Uh, and it's this AMD Cardinal motherboard. Yep. It's, so it's an AMD board. Important to note that yes. the like, oh, where are we going to stick these things in? Okay. Well, let's let's make something. And it's did you did you see the RAM that it's built in? Just like the Xbox and Sony. That's what this PlayStation. is. PlayStation GDR6 GDDR6. It's, it's probably unified memory, but they have the GPU disabled, so they can potentially. I guess they're making use of all sixteen for just system RAM because there's a discrete Radeon RX 550, and it's not. Uh, on the board, we're talking just a PCI Express card, so they would have had to add a PCI Express slot to this. I don't know if there are pads for that on the Xbox. Board. Well, they, I mean, clearly the the CPU has has PCIe, you know. Oh sure, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, if, so they just had to when they did their board, they just had to pull those lines. Um, I think the article has kind of what what uh, GPU did they end up putting in here? Um, five fifty. Oh, really? It was a five fifty. I wanted. I thought it was a fifty five hundred, okay. but it's a five fifty. Yeah, it's just a Polaris GPU. Okay, but maybe that was the. Oh yeah, there it is. The price. The price of this. I went and converted it a little while ago. It's uh, under seven hundred U.S. dollars for for the system, and it's a uh, an iTex enclosure. Clearly, only sold in. Was it? Um, I remember, remember which Asian country it was. Was it Taiwan or was it? Uh, I can't remember where it was. But interesting, all the same. Like, what are they going to do with their Xbox chips that you know fail spec? Josh, didn't you? I feel like I'm. This is deja vu. Did we not talk about ARM Tech Day this year already, or is this something new? No, we we had another one. Another um, ARM Tech Day. Okay, that's what yeah, they're, bam. yeah. They're they're talking about, and they gave far more details about the uh, the Neoverse. So this is their server platform. <clears throat> and do you like the buffalo in the background on my wife's really messy desk? Buff. You're just trying Anyways. to prove Buffs. that you're in Wyoming. Is that what this is? Buffalo. Something like that. Buffalo. Buffalo are not known for the uh, Tatanka. 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 Anyway. Um, you're not doing dances with wolves, are you? I, I was. Okay. Um, so anyway, Arm uh, held a uh, little conference on their Neoverse, and uh, they they fleshed out the roadmap a little bit. They haven't changed it, but we still see the uh, the Neoverse 
V1 and Neoverse N2. So these are two different products. Uh, V1 is is a pretty high performance and uh, you know upwards of 128 cores and and they promised a lot of things. I mean it's uh, going to be you know a pretty high performance solution and it's going to be a very very dense solution and it's um, you know the platform is is pretty impressive. I mean V1 is going to support uh, PCIe 5 and uh, other technologies. Um, N2 is going to be an ARM V9 based. Uh, both of these products will be uh, featuring SVE. And as you can see, V1 supports 2x256-bit. Uh, and while as the N2, the, the newer one will be SVE2, 2x128-bit. So it's going to be interesting to see some numbers from them. Um, but V1 is, is usually the more uh, performant platform, and it's aimed at that. Uh, the N2 is going to encompass a few more features. And uh, again, it's it's coming out a little bit later. But the amount of stuff that they're packing in these things, I mean, you know, you got PCI Gen 5, DDR5, HBMM, HBM2E for V1, and HBM3 for N2. Uh, C6 1.1 and C6 2.0 CXL. And uh, they're also introducing the, I what, CMN 700, which is their new kind of glue that keeps it all together. And again, it supports something like 128 cores. Um, they're doing more about heterogeneous computing. Um, you know, with NVIDIA coming on board, uh, they're going to be inheriting a, a software stack that uh, will be really, really robust in what they're doing. They're aiming at uh, machine learning with this. And I think one of the more interesting things that they showed is they've already got a lot of momentum going into there. They showed AWS numbers of uh, who has you know, what number. And they had three vendors, ARM, obviously, uh, our ARM partners, and then AMD and then Intel. And if you look from like 2016, it was pretty much all Intel. And then you saw some ARM sneaking in there and then ARM started growing and then AMD started growing. And of course that meant Intel was, was kind of getting, getting the, the shaft there. And so, you know, it looks like AMD has a pretty good, you know, about 35% of AWS uh, ARM is almost 50% and, and, and Intel takes up, takes up the less. So they, they've taken a beating uh, Intel has from uh, from uh, you know AWS and those these are the the graviton um, products from Amazon, if I'm correct. Uh, but they have specials on them for uh, you know it's like try them out for free uh, for X amount of time. I think uh, this was one of the current deals. Um, typically a little cheaper than if you you know rent out the AMD and, and Intel servers, but. Uh, Power efficiency uh, is is really good as compared. Performance is getting comparable. I think the V1 is going to be right up there with uh, you know maybe the last generation you know 2019 Xeon type performance, but it's a lot more dense. There's more cores, uh, more power efficient. Again, um, it's uh, you know the interconnect is is greatly improved. Um, I'm trying to think of everything else, but it's. Um, 
you know, it's 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 a big deal. N two is is going to be pretty big deal. And again, that that's going to be ARM V nine. That's 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 nifty stuff. Uh, it's a next generation architecture. So. Uh, yeah, Neoverse V1 and N2 are you know coming soon, uh, being based on seven and five nanometer products. Um, we're going to see V1 here, I think, by the end of the year, and uh, N2 will probably be a 2022 product. So uh, ARM is is getting serious. Well, I mean, they have been serious for quite a while uh, with their Neoverse and their their enterprise uh, push. So. This is just another step in, in that direction, and they've already got clients and customers. And uh, Amazon, one you know, one of the biggest cloud people out there, um, they've invested heavily in uh, ARM architecture and uh, software, and just that whole environment and ecosystem. So uh, they're they're making big moves. And again, if if the Nvidia thing goes through, they're, I mean, they already have uh, some support in CUDA, but that will expand greatly once uh, i think everything gets signed on the uh, dotted line so yeah a lot of bright things for arm coming up and its partners and uh, they just keep chugging along with you know new and improved products uh the technology uh i mean that um you know the 700 series of, of the glue the interconnect is uh going to be pretty impressive and again they they support c6 and cxl so you know, all these things are, are coming together and, and their partners have a lot of choices that they can make in how they build up these chips in uh, unique and uh, hopefully performant ways. One of the Which things I, I read out of that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Brad. One of the things I read out of that couple of interesting stats was that one they were they were I don't know which one it was um, and uh, Neoverse and one in you know and two, but up to 192 cores even beyond the 128 that that you had mentioned, and just to give people kind of an idea as to how well they're doing, 350 watt TDP on their CPU, which is very very impressive. So they're really they're really doing very very well in in their, their development. Yes. I mean, it's just, you know, if you think uh, your cell phone on 7 nanometer is running at 3 gigahertz with 8 cores typically, and it's consuming half a watt. I mean, you can you can kind of do the math from there. And I mean, sure, you've got a bunch of other circuitry in there that, you know, it's the fabric and caches and all the different controllers and the heterogeneous and GPU portions and machine learning stuff they're going to add in there. I mean, uh, when you put all that together, I mean, 350 watts for that many cores, it's 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 not a big deal. That's that's easily cooled in these data centers, and uh, you True. know, yeah, fly fly away. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeremy. I was going to ask what you thought of uh, the talks about Project Cassini and trying to you know give a very light hand to the unruly group that is everyone that licenses their IP to try and get a little bit of standardization going so that they can try and extend the lifespan of some of the new stuff coming out. Cause that's very different than norm usually goes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I if they talked about it, it was pretty okay. quick. Yeah. Um, I don't know a whole lot. So sorry. Uh, no, they're, they're, loser, essentially what they're Jeremy. saying is, well, no, it just, I wasn't sure if it was covered cause I, didn't get as much coverage as I think you managed to get, or at least I hope, because uh, 
you know, it's nice to think of you hanging out with the arm guys, even if it's only virtually. This will change. Yeah. Uh, so the idea is that uh, like one of the things that they were talking about is the, the amount of uh, 5G infrastructure that ARM is hoping to push out. And that's stuff that you want to put up and forget about it for, you know, five years or so until the next generation is, you know, really worth rolling out. And the thing with a lot of the ARM hardware is, and most cell phone owners have noticed this, is after a generation or two, the, the old stuff is just isn't going to work. Like, you're not getting any patch cycle, cycles going anymore because it's really cheap and easy to abandon one low-cost, low low-power ARM chip for a new one and just let the old stuff go. But with the, the push and, like, this huge leap into the server with the, the N1 and the N2 and the and the V1 for different applications, they're, they're probably going to want to be able to keep stuff going for a while, but at the same time, they can't look at Apple and say... You go a little bit too far with those chips. We need you to back off a bit because that's not <laughs> what they do. They're just licensing the IP. But they're, they're sort of trying to herd the cats a little bit to say, you know, some of this stuff, you're, you're going to want to be able to maintain it. Not to the extent of like in an x86 processor where you go and you pick up an ancient Xeon, you load Linux on and away it goes. No issues. The hardware still works. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that. Uh, and if this is a little bit of Jensen already suggesting this would be a nice way for the company to grow if we did end up growing together. Neoverse, yeah, the Scarlet Is this go ahead. Just massive collision after one person stops talking? <laughs> well, everybody's holding. Everybody's holding it. Pentagram uh, is a customer. Kent, you were saying. Yeah, I was, I was just <laughs> saying, you know, the, the, just the coincidence of uh, Neoverse uh, for ARM and Omniverse for NVIDIA in their last uh, uh, meeting, virtual meeting. Omniverse was the big talking point. Yeah, and uh, I wonder when they're going to get, you know, Lawrence Fishburne's character in there. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Morpheus. Morpheus verse. Virtual Keanu Reeves. Oh, no, wait. That's you already been done. You take the red yeah. GPU or the blue GPU or green. Yeah, green. Or green. Yeah, green. Green man. Yeah. So there was a couple of, of points made during the conversation that reminded me of something. What do you think is happening in a more macro sense regarding like where's x86 going versus where arm is and clearly i mean as a as a legitimate example look where apple's kind of taking that architecture and where arm is projecting they're going to be with v1 and n1 and and saying what does x86 have to do in order to sort of stay with what it is that they're doing or are we destined to eventually kind of move to a different architecture do you think in in some number of years because these are just so good I mean, and and you know, people call me a you know a fanboy or whatever. I mean, Apple's sort of proving it. They're they're really showing it. this. This is a good way to go, and we can get a lot of performance out of this for not a lot of wattage. Well, if you optimize for it, all the software that optimized for it runs better sure. than it did on their Intel I, machines. Well, some of the Intel um, you know binaries you know translated actually run better than they did native. Really? Actually, Through Rosetta yes. two. Yeah. Yes, that's actually true. Yes. Odd. You mentioned something about the. What exactly is it about the uniformity of ARM code versus x86? 
Uh, the instruction size is actually the same. So the instruction decoder actually has a much easier time of it on, on ARM architecture because all the instructions are the same width. Whereas when you're doing instruction decoding on an Intel CPU, they have various additions that have come on over the years due to the way that they, where they started from and their binary compatibility that they've had throughout the ages. I mean, honestly, you can probably, I, I'm not sure this is exactly true, but you may be able to still run very, very old code on a very, very new CPU. And that's because the instructions are figured out by the instruction decoder on an Intel CPU and executed properly. And that takes time. You know, it legitimately takes a lot of time. Whereas the instruction decoder and branch prediction and uh, how deep they can do decoding predictive execution on an ARM CPU or an ARM-based kind of architecture is more efficient. Not that they can't get deep on an Intel CPU, it's just easier for them to do it on an ARM CPU. And that is lending some of what you're seeing in these these ARM architectures like the new Apple M, M series of why they seem to be so quick for not a lot of wattage. That's just one of the factors, but yeah. Well, I mean, you know, ARM at the very beginning, I mean, they, they were focused on energy efficiency because they're yep, all going to be used in, in mobile devices yes. and everything. And yep. I mean, they're, you know, we've, we've had this, you know, risk versus discussion. Thanks, Kat. <laughs> Hello. Uh, you know, for, for years. Or, and I mean, yeah. people have been, um, you know, I, if you remember back in the 90s when Alpha and Spark were big deals, I mean, they were talking about risk is, is the way we're going to go. And risk is, is the better way to go it. Everybody's going to go to risk and Intel won the CPU wars in the eighties with the servers and everything else, you know, kind of went to the side. ARM is doing amazing things with their architecture and it's, you know, it is still risk and, and, but where risk really helps again, is like you said, it's, it's at the front end, but everything beyond the decoder, you know, Intel and AMD are, are really at parity, if not better performance than what arm has because you know arm is still aiming at 2019 products with these next generation things really and um where they're gonna you know make money is is that it is again you know the power and density but when you're talking about ipc and um you know how efficient the threads are in multi-thread situations um you know it's it's probably not going to be as good they've got a ways to go uh there is a lot of secret sauce that amd and intel have and um it's and you add in that the software infrastructure for x86 is is robust to say the least i mean it's it's the de facto go-to thing and uh for now you know when yeah yeah but you know, and it's changed, and it's it's going to you know we're going to see some some shifting here, and you know the the backwards compatibility of code and uh, x86, a lot of those issues were really fixed by x86 64. AMD was was really on top of it when they um, introduced that ISA, and Intel was like, well, let's you know we'll we'll cross license that from you because. It makes a lot of sense because they were working on Itanium. They threw billions of dollars at Itanium, and uh, it just obviously didn't work out for them. And instead of reinventing the wheel, uh, they they went ahead and said, you know, what AMD is doing here is actually quite good. And that removed a lot of the issues. And, I mean, if you look at, at overall power efficiency, um, you know, there's, there's getting to be less and less difference in between x86 and ARM. In between... How ARM has become a better performing 
solution and how much better AMD and Intel have gotten at, you know, the front end and decode and you throw in process technology. And soon these architectural differences don't make as much difference because now you're talking design. I mean, these, who can design the better chip? Who can design the more power efficient chip? I mean, we, we've kind of gotten past where, you know, architecture was everything where risk, you know, showed, I mean, back in the nineties, you had, um, you know, DC alpha running at, you know, hundreds of megahertz faster than uh, what X86 could do. And uh, same thing with like spark and all these other guys, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I always hear about how risk is, is, you know, going to take over the world and it never has yet. And it's just, you know, they've, they've engineered a lot of the issues with x86 into a manageable solution, I think is, is what we're kind of looking at. So, you know, maybe one day x86 will just die. I mean, we'll go to 128 bit computing and they may just say, let's go clean slate but that's not going to happen for a long time, I think. At least for the next 10 years. There's always emulation. Too many binaries. It's better every year. Yeah. Virtualization. Sorry, I got on the the soapbox. Hey, and as Intel points out, uh, there are billions of lines of code optimized for x86. So, I mean, is ARM really a threat? Yes. There are billions of threat. Arms. Yes, yes, they are. But right now, right now, Intel is more worried about AMD and what they can yeah. do. Uh, their architecture is just so much better in in you know with with chiplets and how Zen is set up and how they've set up their I/O and Infinity Fabric. They've got a significant jump on Intel about scaling out these products, as we can see by how dense AMD servers are versus what Intel has at the same price. And look at what Gen might power. be coming as we see. Josh, haven't you seen the? Haven't you seen the Justin Long commercials, Josh? Oh, no, they're no, clearly no, worried no, about no. one company. Those will clearly. be forgotten quickly. I hope. <laughs> There's a rumor of AMD Zen Five APUs, codenamed Strixpoint. This is a WCCF Tech article featuring hybrid core architecture on three nanometer process technology. Yep, 8,000, Ryzen 8K. Hmm. Well, you know, it's it's been theorized since we first saw uh, Zen 2 and how it had a separate I.O. die, how they're utilizing Infinity Fabric, and how you'd have two chips on there that, you know, the, the assumption was eventually they're going to have a CPU and then the other chip is going to be a GPU. And it's a easy way to do chiplets. I mean, cause all the, the mobile AMD parts and the integrated, I mean, it's all one die. It's a monolithic die. We know that that may not always be the best way to do it. It's the best way for AMD to do it now. I mean, obviously there may be other issues involved with getting those two chips to work together. Uh, and previously they were unable to do it effectively, but you know, times change, you throw R and D money at it. And you come up with a solution. So, I mean, you get these small GPU chips and small CPU chips and you cook them to an IO and, you know, suddenly you've got, you know, a pretty high performing part and you're getting great yields. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just because they're, 
so much smaller chips than one giant monolithic one that has all of that. And plus you can mix and mash process nodes. Um, Cause IO True. stuff can, can mm-hmm. be at a higher node or you can have a, a higher mix be of, 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 you know, better power efficiency because it doesn't need to clock as high in certain circumstances. Uh, there's a lot that they can do there and it gives them a lot of flexibility. So it's not surprising that, you know, the, the rumors coming out and I wouldn't doubt if, we'll eventually see something because that's seems like the way AMD's going. Do you think it's going to take three nanometer for them to have the density for a single chip, a monolithic die to have 16 cores, or can they do that at five? Because our, our roadmap only goes five. to five nanometer. I think so. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that they could do it at seven if they wanted to, but you know, the, there may be just issues that they need to add features to infinity fabric um, and adjust how, data is, is is shuffled around in there you know i don't have that kind of answer but it's i don't think it's it's a i don't think it is a function of die size i think it is a function of functionality what about that all that getting cache? those architecturally speaking where on the die is the cache that's not external that's per die right per, per yeah it's in the cpu chiplet so yeah to have as much cash as they do which is an insane amount uh for a consumer cpu yeah. I wonder if that's a partial limit limiter because the, the architecture does not really allow them to scale down the cache. I mean, on the mobile side, we see less cache no, it does. because they have fewer cores. No, I mean, you know, the mobile side is, is they've got eight cores and what, eight megs of cache uh, for the uh, 5000 series? 16. Been yeah, it's 16 threads, eight cores. And I think it's it's like eight megs of, of okay. L3. I thought I it was mean, 16 for some reason. It's 32 on desktop, but. Yeah, no, I 32 desktop. I mean, they, uh, I mean, you you can cram a lot of SRAM in there and, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't take up a whole lot of space and it, it takes up less power. And plus they have better, you know, power savings functionality built in. And so, you know, caches aren't as horrible as they used to be, which is why they were, you know, usually so small, but, you know, fast. And we can go back to the Pentium 4 and talk about trace cache and crap like that. Um, that was all done for, for power efficiency and now we're we're kind of at the point with you know finfats that you know the the physical functionality you know not mechanical but electrical functionality of, of finfets it seems like they're more helpful to you know cash and power efficiency and and how it's able to you know hold into uh, you know charge um so it's it's you know i don't know i don't think it's i don't think that's a a limitation to anything that that AMD is is trying to do, uh, but you know, with a more mobile, more mobile looking product, you you still want to save power where you can. And so, yeah, right. those those L threes are much smaller um, with mobile than they are for desktop. Apparently, Josh, just listen. Oh, go ahead. Ports, anyway, big little is what they're going yeah. for. So it'll yeah, be that. big. Would be Zen five little. This is all, you know, obsequious. Like, it'll be interesting. The new caches, dot, dot, dot. Looking at the memory subsystem, it'll be somewhat closer to current mobile SOCs. This is, you know, reports via Twitter and the usual sources. And who knows? This is all too early which, to speculate, I guess. Which we were just talking about as ARM. So you can see sort of the cross-pollination of well, right, concepts that was the, and ideas. That was the leak which is, roadmap ahead for Intel, too. Yeah. Was that they were eventually yeah, going to be going to Google as well. This is what... True. This is what Apple is currently doing. You've got big cores Indeed. to handle bursty, fast, important workloads, and you have smaller cores to do background tasks and more energy efficient 
stuff. Yeah, prior to the M1, yeah. I think that they had that that concept already in their their iOS devices. But yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, before the they brought A it to the desktop. series stuff was big little for a long time. It was like two performance mm-hmm. cores and four small cores. Yep. So yeah, they've they've test flighted that and figured that out. So. Well, I mean, AMD doesn't have currently a small core. Um, I right. mean, they're not going to you know throw Jaguar in there because that's uh, now a, a decade old plus. Um, so they have to you know develop a smaller core to do that. And it wouldn't surprise me if they were doing that. That seems like that's the way uh, we're going. That a lot of these you know kind of sub processes and stuff that that don't require a big fast core are going to be run on. But the big problem with that is, of course. Your OS handles a lot of that Indeed. stuff, and Microsoft exactly. is still, the issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and Microsoft has been a little bit slow in doing this effectively. <laughs> uh, you know, Android and uh, those guys—they've been—they've been, you know, they—they've kind of been forced to focus on that um, a lot sooner than you know, obviously the x86 guys. I mean, if you can remember back in the day when you know Nvidia was was talking about. You know, they had, you know, four high performance or two high performance cores and then one low performance core. And then, you know, they, they were able to do the uh, software stack so that, you know, like your your touchscreen uh, response was sent to the low power core. And, you know, you had much better response and you had multi finger gestures and all of that. And, you know, it wasn't taking up any, uh, you know, time on, on the, the faster CPU cores. And, you know, that was that was 12 years ago or so, well, maybe 10 but anyway, uh, same thing. You know, ARM has had Big Little for ages, and they've worked with Google and uh, the Linux people, and they've gotten around a lot of the hurdles with, you know, being able to effectively utilize small cores, which, of course, you're going to have different cache sizes. And when you start snooping caches and you've got different cache sizes, that makes things really, really, really complex. And so you have to put things in there to kind of stop it from doing that, but at the same time sharing data and uh, you know, cache hits and and dirty cache and writes and copies and um, you know, it's it's a lot in the software, not so much hardware. So, yeah. I'm pretty soon you got a Spectre vulnerability on your hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any more hey. on this subject before break? No, I want to hear about our uh, sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Text Expander. Start typing right. Accuracy still matters, especially in your professional life, dealing with clients or customers, suppliers, and even the media. It helps build trust when what you say as a team and company is error-free and they're all singing the same tune. Keep all your communications consistent and accurate with Text Expander. In our fast-paced world, things change constantly, and it would not be an exaggeration in saying that errors in messaging often have significant consequences, like a bad tweet can get around the planet amazingly fast. Text Expander lets you make new and improved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, ensuring your team remains consistent, current, and accurate. So get your messaging right every time. Expand content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes. Your team members will consistently know the right message for the right person at the right time without relying on memory or copy and paste. Keep consistent to your brand or team policies. PC Perspective Show listeners can get 20% off their first year of Text Expander at textexpander.com slash podcast. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Check it out to learn more and get 20% off your first year. Are we back? We're, We're back. back. Hey. And it's time. Hey there. It's time hey. to talk about 
Hello. Money. Money. How well did AMD do, Josh? AMD did extremely well. Uh, you know, Money. they've had a year of uh, essentially record quarter after record quarter. And they're adding to that with Q1 being yet again another record at $3.445 billion. Now, if you think two years ago, they were barely scraping like $1.3 billion. So if you think of the amount of growth that they've had, and uh, you know, and I saw some numbers of, of how much they built up inventory, and when they build up inventory, when they're talking about that, they're talking about stuff that that's in flight. It's not just sitting in warehouses, and it's gone from like you know, year and a half ago that they had a billion dollars out there, and then it went to one point four. Now it's it's closer to two billion worth of 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 stuff that you know that's that includes wafers that includes stuff waiting for substrates that includes you know chips already on substrates waiting to be you know sent to partners i mean it's just a huge amount that they are chipping and yeah 3.445 billion dollars that's double that 95 percent growth from q1 2020 i mean that's just ludicrous and i mean they 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 made uh their uh net income was something like $550 million. And they've never, never done this. I mean, okay, they once probably got close to that because Intel paid them $1.2 billion or something like that. And so they, they came out ahead uh, that quarter, but that was many, many moons ago and uh, under, you know, very different circumstances. But, you know, their, their CPU um, are selling great in mobile. It's growing on uh, desktop. It continues to stay there. Uh, but of course, Epic servers have apparently doubled over the past year. And so their, their compute group has done very well. And that includes, I believe, uh, GPUs, GPUs have been selling very rapidly as we well know. And, uh, if you take a look at prices for 6,700, 6,800 and 6,900, uh, parts, they're bonkers, ludicrously priced and they're selling out. Um, you know, at least AMD at amd.com, uh, every once in a while, they, they will release new cards there for actual MSRP price, but you've got to be extremely, extremely lucky. Um, their margin, uh, increased to about 46%. I mean, that's, that's flat quarter over quarter, or no flat over year over year, but you know, it's, it's, it's an increase from the previous quarter. So, um, they're not making as much in the semi-custom, I mean, the the big rollout last year was really where, you know, that came to the fore. And now it's it's just kind of, you know, that's, that's royalties being paid and not the big payments for, you know, uh, when they first released these products. Uh, but that's been more than made up by Epic sales. Epic, um, you know, you've got Rome out there and now you've got Milan. Uh, Milan's been shipping now for about two quarters. Um it you know it, it has made a dent in Intel's business. If you look at their quarter uh, quarterly results, uh, their data group um, has lost something like twenty percent uh, margins, and they're not making as much money. And again, if if you were to dig up that AWS picture of you know the three vendors, you know the Graviton, AMD, and Intel, Intel has been taking a beating in servers from both ARM and AMD, and that's simply because They've got performance, they've got better power efficiency. And now, you know, they're at a point where 
their partners like Dell, HP, whoever, they're actually marketing and putting out fully featured servers that are comparable to the best that Intel has. I mean, if you go back three years ago when Epic was first released, uh, you know, their, their offerings were much more bare bones, uh, not as interesting, you know, didn't have all the bells and whistles and things like that. Now it's, that's no longer the case. I mean, they're focusing, um, on really building up these AMD products in the server realm. And so Epic is doing extremely, extremely well. Uh, everything is growing. This has been an unprecedented year. Uh, I didn't think that AMD would get to three and a half billion dollars in revenue a quarter um, anytime soon. I, I mean, I was expecting them to stay at the 2.2 to 2.5 for a couple of years before things started going up. But now, you know, they've 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 blown through that ceiling and they're approaching, you know, NVIDIA four billion dollars a quarter numbers. And that's that's fantastic for consumers in ways, you know, if you could actually buy parts. Um, but yeah, no. And and uh, next quarter, well, let's just you know go back to Q1. Q1 is typically the slowest quarter of the year. Uh, sales typically drop off 20 to 30 percent. They they call it you know seasonality when they talk about seasonality. It's the post holiday. Q1 is is where you know the 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 budgets are tightened up. People are buying less stuff. There's not as many sales on. It's, you know, again, post-holiday. And uh, that's not the case. They've increased throughout the entire year. And now they're looking to get to $3.6 billion in Q2. And that's what they're thinking. They're plus or minus $100 million in there, which, you know, it's $100 million in between friends. So they're either going to be staying flat or they could, you know, seriously make, you know, up to $3.7 billion if 2Q is... Um, as good, if not better, than Q1. So their outlook is is good. Uh, they've gone something like you know, barely having a billion dollars in 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 you know free cash, and now they're sitting up at like three point one billion dollars. So you know they're flush with money. Uh, they've got plenty of inventory out there. That they're sh- shipping, and uh, the uh, I'm glad my kids on in the background. Um, and uh, yeah, though they're they're selling plenty of stuff, so that's that's all good. Any further comment on the financials before we move on? Hey, Josh, was that uh, was that Intel money you were referring to the uh, x eighty six instruction set uh, buy? Yeah, no, oh, it was no, not. That was that was that was the one point. $2 billion that uh, they did because they, you know, paid uh, OEMs not to buy AMD. Oh, oh that one. That one. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's just Intel being Intel. Like, I forget. I, okay. Yeah. Well, that's Intel like IBM. trying to be IBM. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, oh, exactly. you're right. Exactly. Yep. That's all yep. IBM stuff. Yeah, Isn't forget it? it. While Josh was talking oh, there, I was actually just looking back through uh, AMD stock prices and, and, looking at the fact that in August of 2015, uh, an AMD share was $1.75, and they closed today at $84. Um, and in January, they had a, a closing a over $90 a day. Nice. Yeah, that's not even counting. A, I think I think there's a split in there, too. So if you had really? bought yeah. at the very lowest, yeah. you would be hmm. you'd be doing very, very well. That's a huge jump. That's amazing. I mean, you got to give you kudos have. to 
you got to give kudos to you know Lisa, Jim Keller, all yeah. of those guys who you know were at the very very lowest point in in AMD's life. Um, you know, they there was sacrifices that were made, but now it's it's um, you know it's just exploded. And a gambling streak, Josh. <laughs> Let's roll the dice. See what we can do here. Yeah. Invest. Better than you know Bitcoin. what you got to do is sell off some of your Bitcoin and buy AMD, right? Yep. Hmm. Hmm. You know, if only I had any. <laughs> that of that sounds Bitcoin. like a bad idea. Yeah. Bitcoin just sounds like a bad idea in general. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. All right. Well, hey, we're probably about an hour in at this point, so let's quickly shuffle through the last couple of news stories here feel free to uh, trim the fat if you would yeah i was kind of interested there's a a video kit guru i haven't watched yet and it's on our list here but definitely check this out egpu scaling there's a cooler master enclosure that the eg200 and they're, they're pushing it to see just how far can they take this little enclosure and what kind of performance can you get and obviously this is a little more of a niche thing, but if you can make use of an external GPU and you have a nice monitor and you want to make the most out of a laptop and you actually can find a GPU, that's the problem. Like, I think for yeah. most people... It comes with a power supply, but not a GPU. Right. Hey, the the <laughs> most important point is that people turn up their nose is like, oh, you don't have the bandwidth. Oh, it's like, oh, that's, that's PCIe for uh, Gen 3 versus Gen 4. These are Gen 4 cards. In an mm-hmm. external Gen 3 enclosure, mm-hmm. hung out there on your desk on a, um, you know, a Thunderbolt connection. And the, the percentage difference between what it would be plugged into a Gen 4 native PCIe port versus sitting, yeah. exactly, versus sitting three feet away is very minimal, is extremely minimal. It's it's like Especially within five five percent. Well, ten fifteen ish. Unless I thought it was lower than ex- that. Well, it is if you if you're pushing Good. it to an external monitor. Oh if yes, that's exactly back, what I mean. Don't back into the not, laptop, not a loopback. No, you're totally right. You're totally right. Externally? I meant external yeah. monitor, non loopback. Yeah. Hmm? So yeah, we totally need those sixteen lanes of PCIe four point They are you, fully you don't. completely saturated. He's Apparently being sarcastic, no. but he is. Yeah. We don't even need sixteen lanes of. Gen three, for no, graphics. you don't. So no. And, and any of the studies yes. that have been done have shown that. I, I think maybe we've reached the point where we can saturate Gen two by sixteen with a GPU. But but, but there's a lot of people who will like you know throw stats and and percentages and whatever's at you. It's like this is better than that, and like not not really no. So you know, it's not it's not better. You can you can always read. Gen three versus Gen four benchmarks out there, but it's it's pretty minimal. It depends on what you're doing. It was the eGPU yeah. thing that was a little bit surprising that it really didn't put a dent in it. Not not a lot. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. My ears. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy, tell us about what? Zen and the art of version maintenance. Ah, oh, yes, Black Mesa from the Crowbar Collective. That you know. I, you kind of forget about it because it has been out for almost six years now, except for the Zen portion, which only came out uh, within the last two couple of years, which people like myself were not necessarily too upset about because it's 
an abrupt change from the previous sections of the game, we will say. But the thing is that they spent all of that time from 2015 until they released it around 2019-ish working on it. And so to show it off, what they've done is uh, put up a playable Zen museum. And so this gives you a chance to wander through and take a look at all of the iterations that they went through trying to get Zen to work on Source and not to suck so horribly. And give you a chance to sort of look at all the assets and the stuff that was discarded or to get a look at some of the current stuff that they're using that is in the game, but you don't really get a chance to look at it closely because it's a giant testicle monster that's trying to eat your head. The other thing they did was put in a total of 56 playable maps into this museum. So not only can you just look at the assets, you can actually take a run through some of the earlier iterations of Zen and, you know, see how they did all of this insane stuff to port the the ancient original Half-Life onto the Source engine. So it's a hell of a lot of fun and it's really nice to see them you know, giving you an insight into their development process and, you know, a bit of a museum of the development of a game. It's not something you honestly see very often. They don't don't like you to show you how the sausage is made. So in this case, they are quite willing to expose it and give you a chance to not just look through it, but uh, try it on for yourselves. So if you haven't picked it up, it's half price right now on Steam and good old games and a couple of other places, I believe, as well. It's worth it because they did like such an amazing job on this thing. This is on Hackaday. Mm. Pinecube, an open IP camera. Yeah, so sounds really nice. It, it's uh, twenty five bucks or so, but or sorry, thirty bucks. But as you can see from the picture right there, it's construction. Really, really wants a case. <laughs> There's no way to actually <laughs> set this thing down. Uh, I mean, the tape. You could get creative anywhere. with some tape. You could. Gobs of uh, it. And so th- they were supposed to offer a enclosure for it, too. They still haven't started selling it. Mm. They were also going to give you STL files. And actually, until Hackaday pointed out that, you know, it's been almost a year, guys, and you still haven't put up STL files, they actually did. Okay, so you good. can print yourself, a, print case, yourself a case. All right. But the problem is that they used this five megapixel ancient sensor, which hit end of life years ago. So yeah, it's it's compatible with freaking everything, uh, but at the same time, it's not great, and you're not going to be able to replace it. And it, it's uh, an S3 SoC, so it's based on the Cortex A7 with 128 megs of RAM. And so they were finding uh, the guys that were playing with it at Hackaday that just trying to grab uh, a resource pack from online to update some of the code was pegging out the memory. And so you would sit there for 10 or 15 minutes until it finally crashed out and you could try again. They compared this to if you grabbed Raspberry Pi 0W with a camera, each of those are about 25 bucks a pop. So for about $50, you're getting a significantly better uh, sensor. It's still every bit as supported as the uh, the old uh, OV5640 is, but you know it, it's still new and running and you can get replacements for it. So the Pinecube looked like a brilliant idea because it was just 
dead simple. You need an IP connected or an internet connected camera that you can just put somewhere and not even think about it again. It didn't necessarily work out quite as well as we were hoping. So overall, they're sort of suggesting you're, you're kind of better off going with a Pi Zero and uh, tossing a camera onto it. Still interesting and cheap to play with. Yeah, that's the, that's the draw of Pi stuff, but it gets better over time, most of the time. Yeah. Whereas I don't think the Pine Cube is. Mm. Pine Cube V2 no. might. Doesn't sound like it. Unfortunate. Hey, Brett, I, I see you itching there with your uh, your prop. Tell us about the new Tough Hair fans. You know what? A lot of people see that as tough hair. It's not. It's tough air. You got to read all of the letters. I, yeah, so, but I, I just see I see hair not, when I when that I'm would be at tug this. hair. That would right. be yeah, it is. I, and that okay. is what happens. Least, that's a marketing problem that we should probably forward on to Thermal Take and say, you might want to revisit the spacing and maybe the intercaps on You're this. Kerning is kerning. Right. Just not another good. question for Thermal Take. Um, how can air be tough? Look, they figured oh, it out. Oh, uh, you can have that Here. happen. I've got some nice pork Let me explain. You know, imagine if you throw. Let me explain that, how the uh, air can be tough. Think it's going to hurt, and you got to be tough to handle it. See, Fullistan oh, in the is, chat, he knows. This uh, is Asus has liquid. tough T U F, so they have it's tough T O U G H. Is that yep. the correct spelling? Tough. I don't care. know if you can. S- if this is possible to make out through the uh, video at all it here. Looks like but, a fan. Um, we're, we're seeing a it fan. Is. It looks like a but, case fan. Hey, there's see, weird striations on there. Can you see the weird striations in that? Yes. That's yeah, right. It looks this like sterox plastic. No, it's is, is it made from a bunch of hairs which are all compressed into is it a matted it hair? Could, it, it could very well be matted hair, but it's not. It's, it's liquid crystal polymer. Mm, what, isn't that just a fancy way of saying hair? I mean, no. I'm no scientist. Yes. But isn't that just liquid crystal polymer, also known as fiberglass? It's liquid crystal (laughs) polymer, dude. Are those really light? It could be fiberglass, but it's not. How light is that fan? They are really light. They're really light. One of the claims of fame to another famous fan manufacturer. You're talking about Noctua. Can you actually turn it up? I am talking about Noctua. Another fake claim to fame from a famous uh, fan manufacturer is that their fans are very, very special, made of that uh, LCP material. Uh, Thermal Take is uh, talking about this kind of the same material, although that the other famous fan manufacturer said that yeah, it's really difficult to make that in a dark look, color. Can, well, look, we're we're media. Thermal Take has kind of done we it. Can use the brand names. This isn't yeah, PR. we can. I'm not trashing anybody. Besides, not you will put out black ones. So they right, did they have eventually. The Redux stuff. I just want to let so. you know, I got a couple of these. I got the 310 and the 510 in. So I got these two two deals, 310 and the 510. Mm-hmm. I happen to have the 510 actually out of its cage right here. I just so want to know the, what retention mechanism looks like. Uh, is this direct? I will show you. I will show you. It's kind of interesting. Direct contact. Let me show you. It's kind of interesting. It uses these plastic mechanisms that what they do, yeah, they're kind of interesting in that you use short screws and oh, that you okay. bolt the backside onto the fan like this. Okay? Got yeah, that? I have a question. And then Why are we that, still talking about the fans? I want to talk about the heat sink. And then that gets clipped onto the heat sink. The heat, this, is, okay. this is a very, very stylish nice. uh, heat What's sink. But what about the base with, where it actually connects with to the no, CPU? With no RGBs, uh, I'm oh, it's, tur- direct, it's direct contact. Okay, 
It's direct. It was all, it's all going to be about how precisely milled it is. I and felt how good it. The it, retention mechanism is. I'll I'll have to get out the laser, uh, you know, micrometer, you know, mm-hmm. measuring flatness uh, yeah. device, which means I'll probably just kind of lick it. For it's going to be or an epic review. I'll just kind of lipic. No. Yeah, it's going to be okay. epic. Um, Enough Apple references. No lickable. So I'm talking about how stylish it is. You know what? The Lime iMac was very right. tasty. That's all, right. all I want to say right now. Yeah. The new green one. You, you went there. Hey, at least Tangerine. it was useful for something. Tangerine. Mm-hmm. Very delicious. Hey, Josh. You know what? what? Apple could make a fortune if they did scratch and sniff cases. Or just lickable computers. Ye gods. Scratch and sniff's going to be easier than lickable. I'm totally serious. Yeah. That would anyway. work. Hey, I'm serious about Josh telling us about the Icy Doc. It's the return of the Josh Tech Review. It's back. It is. Josh! Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah! Don't be so <laughs> sarcastic. I'm, I'm slowly, slowly but surely <laughs> catching up. So anyway, Icy Doc sent me a, uh, a removable NVMe dual bay three and a half inch unit. And uh, these can handle NVMe sizes from what the the ten up to one hundred and ten, or is it thirty? I can't remember. Anyway, but anyway, uh, it's it's one hundred and forty three bucks, which is a little pricey. Uh, yeah, thirty thirty is the smallest it can it can do, and then you know all the way to one ten. It's adjustable. Uh, it only supports PCIe 3.0, so it's not four compliant. However, um, you know for somebody who needs removable NVMe support. This is a really nice thing. This thing weighs about two pounds. If you throw it at somebody, it's going to draw blood. It's all like metal. Uh, the trays are mostly metal and some plastic in there. Uh, the locking mechanisms are are the typical, you know, hot swap, removable type drive bays. You know, nice, clicky, nice feel. It locks. Um, the it's, It is a metal heat sink on top of each of those drawers. So they provide the uh the thermal material that you can put on there uh for when you install a a, a ssc nvme ssd and so i did put a pci 4.0 uh, one in there that runs runs a little warm and it just you know it it, it stays nice and cool i mean it's just there's so much mass and thermal mass in that entire dock that it really doesn't care that if you're running a you know 8 to 12 watt pci 4.0 uh, SSD in there. Uh, construction is great. Performance is pretty much identical to a native M.2 um, slot. In fact, it was slightly a little faster for some strange reason. I don't know why, but I tested the uh, Samsung 970 Evo uh, both internally and externally, and then externally the uh, Sabrent uh, Rocket 4 Plus. Um, you can see the performance there. I mean, just, you know, a very, very quick benchmark. I didn't go into huge depth because, I mean, essentially there's there's no component in there that's going to really slow down a drive. I mean, it's essentially just PCI lanes being routed through a, uh, oh, what do you call that? Uh, uh, U.2, uh, Josh, right? SAS cable. What's that? Yeah. U.2, right? Yeah, it's U.2. And so you need to have a motherboard that has a U.2 port on it, or you can actually buy riser cards with a single U.2 port for around $20 to $26, depending on what you want. When you get more than one port, then you're starting to look at, you know, 
200 to 300 bucks for those riser cards. So if you have, you know, a couple of one uh, PCA 1.0 slots and you want something like this that you find yourself swapping out NVMe drives, uh, you can certainly do that. Again, it's just it's just a, a mini SAS cable that uh, connects it to it routes PCIe lanes to that card and uh, yeah, it just runs. It it's easy to uh, to swap in and out. The only problem is that you need a three and a half inch bay or a five and a quarter with a three and a half inch adapter. And how many modern cases have those things? Wow. Not many. Some. Not all that many. So, you know, if a guy like me who says, you know, optical drives for life, I can usually find space in, in, in drive bays uh, for that. Uh, so, but, you know, this is, this is a pretty specialized product. And not everybody's going to need it. Not everybody's going to want it. But if you find yourself swapping out NVMe drives, um, then it's it's handy. Um, again, you're you're limited to PCI 3.0 plus but home defense system. It is. It is. You can do if you've got a quick release, you can pop that thing out and chuck it. And I'll tell you, those corners are pretty sharp, and it's some serious mass. And uh, you'll hurt somebody. You'll put their eye out easily mm. if you have a good aim. But yeah, it was a uh, you know good product. I think for the price that uh, it is appropriate, um, you can get a single bay for about 110. I think so. It's a little bit less than the 143 that uh, you can currently get this dual drive bay out of. And uh, yeah, I mean if you're doing lots of testing, if you're a guy who works at a shop that uh, does lots of imaging of drives for you know some large corporation that you know you just image drives all day long this is something handy and it's fast and you don't have to you know kind of take it apart with screwdrivers like these uh you know i'll show you this one the uh my digital ssd which you know you got to go in there with a couple of screws um a screwdriver and, and take it apart and it's kind of a pain to to do but with this you just pop those out you pop a plate um you have the adjustable rails that uh, supports different sizes of NVMe drives, and you're good to go. So, you know, I can see a, a certain use case for this, and, uh, yeah, it's a neat uh, neat product for, you know, a reasonable amount of money. That must have tired you out. Your dogs are just a barking. I just, my family, <laughs> I don't it's, understand why. It's just they... interesting background. That's fine. I'm sure yeah, people it really is. It. They can't, you know, it's, it's, this is my life. I've got yep. two seniors in high school. One's 18. The other's 19. I've got two dogs. One's a puppy. It just, What's and, not? and the cat, let's not forget the cat who oh, makes yes. surprise appearances now and then. When do the puppies go to school? Hmm. No. Sunday nights. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you had a good point with the uh, the NVMe disks or drives, I should say, the NVMe, NVMe drives that use very stupidly small, sometimes proprietary screws, standoffs, yeah. and lengths. Well, you don't think that are just so annoying. Screws are annoying. Oh, okay. All right. Well. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you don't have to deal with small screws. That's the greatest yeah. thing of this entire thing. Yeah. Is it? It locks down pretty nicely, and. Uh, 
Um, just the, the engineering behind it is, you know, it's simple, but it's robust and it's easy to get to. And Icy Doc makes a, a nice product. Cool. Our final review tonight is just going to be very quick. Like last week, Josh, don't hold your breath this time. Another audio product. This is a gaming headset, more conventional this time. Epos H3. This is a new closed back. It's analog. It's acoustic gaming headset. So it's 3.5 millimeter connection only. The specifications the uh, on the audio section were interesting because it has, of course, this huge quoted frequency response. They don't give the plus minus on decibels. So that could be plus minus 30 decibels for all I know. But it apparently can produce all the way down to 10 hertz and all the way up to 30,000. So who knows uh, at what volume level that would be. But the impedance of these is only 20 ohms. And the SPL, the sensitivity, 124 decibels at one volt. That's pain. That is, that is loud. That is sensitive enough. That and the low impedance, these should be easy to drive with virtually anything. And that's exactly what I set out to do. I tried these with a phone. I tried them with a game controller, headphone port, and they get plenty loud without distortion. So they are very sensitive headphones. As you can see, there's we got the white one. There's a black one too. And they appear to be trying to match the current gen consoles. One of them matches the Xbox. This one matches the PS5. Nice padding level though. The headphones, um, the headband is it's like a leather style vinyl and it's there's a decent amount of padding beneath. The ear pads themselves are kind of a composite thing. The part that touches your face is, it feels like velvet. Kind of a, uh, a softer feel. The sides are more of a harder vinyl which actually seemed to help a lot with noise isolation. And then inside, it's kind of a more of a mesh material, but you can't see in this photo. But adjustability was good. The, the ear cups rotate enough. They don't fold flat or anything. I didn't, I didn't have an issue with anything, except I will say it had slightly higher than standard clamping force. So the pressure against your ears, I would put it at like a 6.5 out of 10. When a lot of them, I would say a baseline is 5. And these are a little bit tighter against your ears. Best uh, noise isolation, sound isolation I've heard from a passive pair of headphones like this, a gaming headset. So there was, it was quite heard. enough that when I or or didn't not, hear. Yeah, exactly. Heard. It was quite yeah. enough that when I was uh, first testing these out, my son walked into the living room and was talking to me. And I thought he was just joking around, just mouthing words. And then I took off one ear and I realized he was talking. I'm like, wow, this is great. It's like a volume control. Okay, so the we've world. got a sales point here. Exactly. No, that is a big yeah. sales point. If you live in a noisy environment, Push or on you that. just want to get away from the kids, like, honey, you take the kids. I just want a game. Apparently, even in the same room, with with within limits, it it did a better job than some cheap noise canceling headphones do. That's just sit on your ear. But I, uh, Sebastian, yes, with with the uh, that low of an impedance and that high of a sound pressure level, what's the <laughs> noise floor like on those? Is there um, uh, any noise or hiss when you have them on a an, connected to an amp at low volume? I didn't hear anything. I wonder if that's more a function of just matching it to the components. Nothing that I tried created any extraneous noise. So, I... I yeah, I, I don't gaming think... headset that's that's going to be connected most of the time to a front panel or 
something low power anyway. Exactly. Or like in this next photo here, the gaming controller, which is exactly what this is designed to sort of match. So I tried it out with a, a PS5 DualSense controller and it sounded great. And there was no noise or anything. And it was able to be driven to very good volume levels with good dynamics. That was the other thing. Like this is this is perfectly it's it's up into the the range where I would call it excellent sound quality. Very good clarity, has that scooped mid-range, the smile EQ kind of sound that you hear from the like HyperX cloud gaming headsets. But not not enough to muddy the overall sound quality. It it has a little bit of a premium price though for just a passive pair of headphones. The the 300s, the GSP 300s from Epos are 100 and these are 120. You're getting better build quality with these. And you're getting, you know, style from these, but I think the sound quality is actually better compared to the, the 300s. And they're easier to drive. So they come with it comes with two cables so you can do the traditional like split mic headphone thing. It comes with a standard 3.5 millimeter headset cable as well. But microphone quality, I would just briefly mention, not great. And they claimed in the the features like their talking points the second point, studio quality microphone. Well, it has the crisp in-game chat they mention. It has a very upper mid-range trebly kind of a sound. That definitely crisp. And it's clear enough, but uh, I couldn't really detect any actual background noise reduction at all. And there's no bass whatsoever. Which is in itself noise cancellation, because any, any kind of low hum in the background just isn't picked up by the mic at all. But... Yeah, the mic wasn't great. They rarely are. It's sad that this many years into checking out headsets, the best mic I've ever heard is still like a mid-range Logitech headset from a few years yeah. ago. Like a 400 series. I can't remember the name right now. but Well, this fascination with the uh, removable boom arm, like it just, you know, you already know they've given up on quality. Oh. This one. Oh, wait. Josh. I did a podcast <clears throat> with this one, and it. Yeah, it wasn't. If you too guys bad. remember that? It was a while. That was, it was actually okay. Pretty, pretty decent. It's the Corsair 860, the haptics. Of course, you know oh, you get yeah. the buzz from you know when when somebody sneezes into your into their mic and <laughs> and the haptics go off and that was Kent. Kent did that. Yes, that was a cough, not a sneeze. <laughs> That's that H3 review. 120 bucks, so it's up to you if it's worth that, but they are definitely easy to drive and they sound good. Speaking of sound good, sound good. What is this on our list? Oh, it's Josh. It's pick. Speaking of sound yeah, good. It's a pick. Oh, wait, We're moving into picks. Okay. Picks of the week. Yay, picks. Of the picks. Week. Okay, you know Seamless what? Thing. I haven't had a standalone sound blaster card since literally 2000. 2006 and it was an Odyssey 2Z S yeah I think that's it anyway it was you know it was a fairly high end card at the time it was released in 2003 2004 uh, and then I went with a, a uh, Ozentech um, series of cards afterwards and then probably around 2000 2014 I uh, I I think, no, it was 2016. I believe that uh, my my um, AMD Phenom 
two. No, it was a, anyway, one of these stinking AMD, uh, AM three motherboard started to die. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to spend the money and I'm, I'm going to get an Intel product. I'm going to get an i7 7700K, uh, because I'm tired of, of not having the gaming performance and not like the extra threads and all that. And, uh, you know, it didn't have a PCIe slot, so I, I wasn't able to reuse one of my higher-end sound cards at the time. And so um, I just went to onboard motherboard audio, and it was okay. It was good enough. I mean, they've they've made leaps and bounds in, in terms of onboard audio uh, with motherboards from, you know, what we saw 20 years ago, which, you know, was absolute garbage. But it worked. And I mean, you know, they've improved the signal quality, but you know, motherboard is still a very, very electrically noisy place. And even though, you know, they, they do things like they separate the power plane off from the audio portion and, and they often light up the, the kind of, you know, PCB separation in between those two. And they try to, to isolate it as much as possible. You're still, you know, sharing a lot of real estate with the motherboard and the motherboard guys, you know, they want to have as many possible features as, as they can. And so, you know, audio is, is compressed into a pretty small thing. And so I decided, you know, what the heck I need to try a, a standalone card again. And so I got the sound blaster AE five, uh, for about 142 bucks. It's the sound blaster X well, the blaster X, um, it's uh you know it's it's got a saber deck in there it's it it's the core 3d sound chip which has you know quite a bit of dsp functionality um their software is a lot better than it used to be uh it's it's not a huge download it's like 130 meg download for their entire control panel um extras on it like uh i can't even remember that that scout mode and and some other audio things and then they've got all the different you know creative you know you can adjust your sound to these different environments and uh it's a significant improvement over even higher end motherboard audio so i was really quite happy with this purchase and i'd like to see more you know standalone sound cards now they come in PCIe one um you know by one slots and they're very common um software supports really robust Drivers don't seem to have any issues. I mean, if you remember some of the first PCIe sound cards that came out, uh, there were issues with it because uh, everybody was, you know, they had PCI cards. This does have RGB support and even comes with oh, a yes. RGB LED uh, strip that you can plug in there and control and mount somewhere on your case. And uh, it's silly, but... You can actually run it, I believe, without the uh, power uh, plug-in. I think the power uh, four-pin Molex only does uh, RGB stuff. So if you don't need that, you can just plug it in, uh, install software, and go. Uh, again, it's it's got you know the headphone amp uh, is pretty decent. Uh, you know it's 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 a bi-amp, you know one amplifier per channel. So you don't have a single amp, you know, powering both channels and, you know, you possibly get a more separation and a little bit better audio that way. And, you know, it's, it's a nice, solid, you know, little card. Jeremy, hmm. what is your actual pick this week? Oh, uh, just to torment some people that were mentioning in the uh, chat about how incredibly difficult it is to find the new Ryzen processors uh, in the States. 
well, hell, up here in Canada, we're having sales on the damn things. Like, right Whoa. off the bat, just alone. Boom. 570 bucks in stock. One per customer, but they're not mentioning limited stock at all. In fact, they're so brave that if you just go on newegg.ca and search for a 5800X, you get your choice of bundles with about five different PSUs, uh, ranging from uh, like a relatively cheap Rosewell 700 watt to up to an ROG uh, Gold Plus rated one. And for ridiculously low prices, I think the most expensive choice brings you just over $600 Canadian. Hold on. Can you explain so. to me why shipped by Newegg, you've got a Ryzen 5 5600X for 800 and the 5800X for, the, for 569 That Some people make strange choices in life. Okay. And we are supposed you just really to need that six encourage more. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't... <clears throat> know how to explain the uh, pricing but yeah uh, right now there are some ridiculous deals uh the 5900x is also in stock and also on sale if you oh, need those extra cores really? yeah i don't know what happened apparently we got a whole crap load of them recently i would not expect it to last for long but uh for now if you need one do it and if you know somebody in canada that can ship you down one do the uh, translation over to the u.s and it's actually a relatively good price and you can buy it what is what is 569 canadian in US? I, I don't know like what is that in real money i don't know <laughs> i didn't say dollars. real money let's see 569 <laughs> freedom units and, free, and freedom C-A-D dollars freedom USC. bucks that's 462 dollars yeah yeah which is under our MSRP here too. So that's, oh no, it's oh, over. It's four forty nine. Well, it's a little bit over, but you can get it. Correct. I thought you could get the fifty eight hundred X. It's been the fifty nine you can't get anywhere. Yeah, there's been a mix. Like sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Okay. Right. What did you find on your uh, your Apple supply website for us this week? You know, I I I totally represent the question that you're implying. Yet this is a universal pick. It is a very nicely uh, apportioned uh, wireless speaker that comes in black mm. or white, more like a, almost a bedside simply because it has a, um, it has a, uh, a clock on it as well oh, and a radio that. built in, kind of an interesting uh. device. Normally this was like a $300 unit, uh, original MSRP, Allegedly. it's $69. Uh, it's Klipsch. Is it? Yes, it is. Where? Yeah. It's, it's their is a division of clips. All right. Clips yeah. bought Yamo several years ago, oh, actually. Okay. okay. Yep. It's refurbished. So look at this. A, this is a, a it's price. refurbished. It is. And that, that was what drew me to this particular one is that, wow, that's actually a pretty reasonable deal for um, a decent uh, Bluetooth speaker with a couple of extras thrown in, such as, you know, clock and a radio. Uh, but it make a great bedside unit. So... Yeah, and it's got a USB charging uh, built in, so it's got a USB port for doing uh, charging, wired charging, of course. It's not, you know, uh, wireless nowadays. But yeah, decent unit, kind of cool looking, and with a remote, and only sixty nine bucks. MSRP was almost three hundred. Nice. When does the offer expire? Like five minutes from now. Uh, no, there are uh, actually only about 30 units split between the two. There's like 18 oh, of one okay. and 14 of the other. So sure. if you are interested in this, you better move on it. 
Uh, something that's not going away anytime soon. The Sugo 15. This is my pick. I'm working on a review. It'll probably be done by this weekend or early next week. But Silverstone. It's like a small case. The Sugo series has been around forever. It's like their cube-style mini-ITX cases. This is taking that concept to the kind of premium side. Evocative, perhaps, of Lian Lee with uh, aluminum outer construction. It's still a steel frame. But... This is the silver one here, which is the one that I actually have. And it's also available in black aluminum. But every outer panel is aluminum. And in fact, I actually switch over to my camera here. I have it right here on the desk. So it's cool. about 14 inches deep, 9 by 12 or 13 on the front here. But as you can see, it's Ventilated on all but one of the sides. This is what I chose to make the bottom just because I didn't have any vents on it. You can orient it however you want. But it holds just about anything. It holds a full-size ATX power supply, graphics cards of just about any length. Anyway, it's a little bit up there like compared to the other SG cases that are out there. This one at about 160 four dollars is certainly higher silverstone seems to run fairly expensive do you do you think that they have the uh, quality to command that sort of price i disagree i think silverstone tends to be mid-range for pricing really this is a high end for them like the ldo3 was kind of an aberration that smaller all tempered glass exterior mini itx case i did last year but in the past i mean i'm i'm thinking $99, $119 for mid-tower cases. Hmm. And they always have cheaper options, too. My favorite case of theirs ever, besides the Fortress series and the Raven, was actually the Temgen TJ08E. The TJ08E, yeah, Yeah, I I like that one, too. It's great. In fact, it would grow great with uh, Josh's review because it has that front three-and-a-half-inch bay still and a a five-and-a-quarter-inch bay. They uh, they actually revved it. If you go to to Silverstone's site now... They have another You'll one. See that they, yeah, they in the TG uh, a chassis, they actually have a uh, a rev of that that creates a um, a raid bay, you know, up top. Um, so they've they freshened it, they've updated it. Okay, here's um, the, I almost here's the got old that one. Yeah, that's the old one. Yeah, lo- it has a huge 180 millimeter fan on the front. That's correct, and a huge array of uh, storage bays just behind that, um, just behind that 180 fan as well. So look at the new see, one, and you see they've ATX, got a raid right? bay up top. Uh, it might be one of their ser- server class. Oh, look okay. under products again and look for like storage. They've got computer chassis, case type. Go to storage. Uh, HTPC? No, I don't think it's that. It's by series, case storage series. Yeah, look at that one. Okay. Right at right up top. Yep, that one. CS. So there it is right there, the CS330. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah, you can see it's based on that, yeah. It still has the three and a yeah, half inch bay. Exactly, but they've, oh. but they've taken that top out and they've turned it into a uh, three-disc hot swap raid bay. That's, that's addressed by a single SATA. So that's a, that's a hardware fan out for three drives. Really? From you in, have inside this, the case. You have this case, Brett? I, I almost bought this case, this almost, nice. but I, I researched it at the time. Oh, removable motherboard say, tray. That's the, finally the oh. chance to use your sex port. And they went with a yeah, single Yeah, look at the 
they've got an interesting um, GPU support bracket in there too. It's an X bracket. See, yeah. they, oh, I'm sorry. It's a CPU cooler bracket. Look at it right there. You can see at the bottom of the picture. Yeah, that, that was in the, that? the Temjin TG08 as well. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they it's, a, it's, a, it's a rotated um, layout. Or not yeah. rotated. It's inverted. Inverted. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's very yeah, efficient it's, use of, of space. Yeah. It, you can and power supply full, top mount. Yep. Full size ATX power supplies up top. Like you always had to be careful to make sure it was either a um, non modular or a, a, a smaller modular, like a 140 deep to, to actually get it crammed in there. And then there was, well, that maybe if that was, if you're just using an optical drive, I guess that was, I was back then using an optical drive as well. So. Anyway, yeah. but, the, but this would so take up uh, an MATX, of course, which is like you know one of the most interesting motherboard sizes. Well, you can you could put ITX in here too, but it's yeah. This case was designed to cram as much crap into a micro ATX build as possible and have good airflow. Yeah, kind of cool. All right, uh, who is next? Has that would Kent. be me. Uh, my pick of the week is a uh, development log on a pretty interesting new technology. Uh, not even technology, really, just an a implementation of technology. Um, it's the uh, cross.dev website, K-R-O-S. And it's a development log for the building of a virtual reality operating system, uh, a fully uh, 3D uh, environment for your operating system to use in any different VR um, uh, situation that you have. Um, there's a, a nice video showing showing the proof of concept, really. Um, it, it's very interesting. It's done in Linux. It's all open source. Um, so you know, when, some, when it's ready for funding and uh, further development, looks like it's, it's going to be something that uh, you'll be able to use on any various VR headset. Um, but it's, it's really too, interesting. So this is like a construction, a 3D construction set for designing your own interfaces and stuff or kind of like whatever. It looked it, very interesting. Yeah. Well, it looks cool. like he's tracking the hand, not anything yes, he's wearing on the hand. Absolutely tracking the hand, yes. See, what was the what was the hardware requirement for this? Just does it work with any headset or is there a specific it, requirement? It, yes, it should work with any headset. Um, like I say, it's in very early development stages. They're using uh, it a looks Vive, like she, apparently. Hmm. It looks like she's uh, uh, using uh, the, the the hardware that's being developed on is uh, an NVIDIA Jetson. Makes sense. But the the website goes into a lot of different details. It talks about the uh, software stack, the current hardware that's being used, um, just the progress. Uh, there's a sign up for their uh, the YouTube channel and and uh, the Twitter feed for updates and. Um, but I, f- I found it very interesting and pretty cool. I like the open source aspect. It's good. Me too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. it's all Linux based too. That probably says the same thing twice, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, isn't that what it? Uh, pretty much. Is there anything else? We're in the outro mode right now, by the way. 
is outro, but before post-show. We've been recording for two hours. It's Oof, after midnight true. on the East Coast. So it is. Sorry, I was so verbose. I'll try to do better next time. Josh, we had a couple of heavy Josh topics in the rotation I was gonna say, today. Anytime so. there's uh, financials, you know it's going to hey, be. AMD arms. financials and, arms and arm, about. arm throws a party. Okay. Well, hey, uh, thanks for watching or and listening. Probably more listening than watching, but either way. We'll be back next week in some form to do it all over again. And Josh will have another burger, we hope. And there'll be exciting new topics that have nothing to do with product availability. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks. Good night. Thanks for watching. <laughs>